this is Robert Picardo, the holographic doctor from Star Trek Voyager, saying hello to all the listeners of Treks in Sci-Fi. Hello, everyone. Do I always say hello, everyone? I need to come up with a different greeting <laughs> after 300-plus podcasts. This is Rico, of course, and you are listening to Treks in Sci-Fi, the weekly geek fest uh, talking about Star Trek, science fiction, movies, uh, television, and this week, collectibles, which I have been ignoring, uh, well, not exactly intentionally, but for a variety of reasons for a while. But today's podcast is going to be all about collectibles, and I hope even if you're not into collecting uh, some of these geeky things, uh, you'll still enjoy this week's edition of the show. Uh, today is November the 14th, 2010. This will be podcast 305, so um, on our way to 400, I guess. <laughs> oh, it's been a while since I've done a, a show. Last week, uh, I was off. It was my birthday. I was back home in, in Michigan for the weekend, and Rick Moyer stepped into the uh, center seat uh, of Treks and Sci-Fi and gave you a great show on uh, a, a real cool TNG episode, Peak Performance, which is a fun episode. Uh, lots of cool things, especially since it's a, a fairly early uh, episode, um, second season. So that's uh, it's kind of a, uh, I think, definitely one of the better ones uh, from the early days of TNG. So thanks, Rick, uh, again so much for doing that. You do a great job anytime. Uh, you're welcome back on the show. <laughs> you can be my uh, regular monthly guest host. Although I have another one um, in the uh, in the makings uh, that's going to be coming up in December from a couple of new people. And I don't want, I'm not going to say too much because we're still hammering things out, but uh, they are going to be looking at a, a, t a cool TV show, a current TV show that I have not looked at yet. So uh, that'll sort of wep your, wep, wep. <laughs> oh, it's an early Sunday morning. I'm a little tired, a little goofy. So, and I, I feel like I say that a lot, but I am definitely tired. I don't know. The last couple of nights I've not slept well. It's been really, the weather's changing here in the Rockford area, well in the Midwest in general. Lots of wind last night, and, and it made it a little uh, difficult to sleep, but I'm here podcasting. So I've got my cranberry, raspberry something drink. No tea this morning for just thought I felt like something a little different. So uh, anyway, let's uh, let's get rolling into the podcast, and we'll talk a lot more on Treks in Sci-Fi, about collectibles, uh, and all kinds of stuff.
Well, again, welcome to the show, uh, everyone. Uh, let's get over uh, or out uh, some of the usual business and stuff here uh, in, in the early part of the podcast. Uh, first, uh, welcome. Uh, if you're fairly new to listening to the show, I, I hope you'll enjoy what you're about to hear for the next hour, hour and a half. And uh, if you're, again, a, a longtime listener, you're bored by what I'm saying right now, right? Um, you can also find out anything more about this podcast over at treksinsci-fi.com. All one word. I used to use Trek SF. That also will get you to the site, treksf.com. Just redirects, you know, that fancy web stuff that goes on that you never see exactly. But there are podcast notes each week there on the main website. There's also the don donation links, which are very important to continue the, uh, the show and continue uh, to keep the servers happy, uh, monthly server fees, and annual ones too, monthly um, Mostly to provide a little bit quicker uh, response time on the on the site and that, and and also on the forum, which is definitely something you'd like to check out if you're fairly new to listening to the show, or maybe you've listened to a few months and you go, hey, that guy sounds all right. Maybe I could like you know meet him on the forum and a lot of other uh, like-minded individuals. So check out, just go to treksandsci-fi.com, click on the forum link, and that'll take you there. So get all that junk out of the way. Um, it's been, again, like a couple of weeks since I've talked to you. I did some guest shows, or I'm not guest, uh, co-hosted shows. So uh, this will be kind of a, you know, a nice getting back to the roots of the show, just sitting here doing it by myself, <laughs> talking into this metal thing, which I, it, it, this is one sign that it's been a while since I've done this show. I, I When I was getting everything hook, hooked up this morning, like I do, I have to pull out the mixer, the mic, and everything. I don't really have kind of a permanent setup here for that. I got the computer on a small desk, so I kind of have to tuck away all that stuff each week a little bit uh, after I do the show. And since it's been a while since I did it, I, I was like, I'm getting nothing on Audacity when I first started out. I'm like, what, what's going on? What's wrong here? I, I panicked for about three seconds and thought my microphone somehow wasn't working or w there was a problem. And I realized the mixer was dialed down for some reason. Sometimes you bump dials when you move things around. So all is good now, though. So just go, just give you a little behind-the-scenes thing on what goes into making Treks in Sci-Fi each week. <laughs> Not to mention, I've got my drink here, which I'm going to need, I think, a lot today. Uh, what else has been going on, at least, outside of just geek talk? Um, not really that much. The job here is, is going pretty well. Uh, it's, um, it's keeping me busy. I, I had a little trip out of town for a week a, a, a while back, and then... This past week, I was out of the office for actually a couple of days. One, I was uh, Monday. I was still off and driving back to uh, to here from Michigan, and then uh, Wednesday, I guess there was a big symposium and R and D thing that I went to for the day, which was kind of interesting. Uh, Tester, which I work for, is actually uh, I don't really know the exact relationship. They're they're kind of a partner, maybe sort of semi owned by Rustoleum. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how that all works. I think it's an independent subsidiary. Is that the way, right way to say it? I'm not a business kind of guy. I, I work in the lab. I mix things up and, and see what happens. So, But anyway, uh, Rustoleum, I guess, each year for quite a while now ha has done this R&D symposium where they talk about all the different projects they're working on and some really interesting things. They actually had a guy from 3M in as a guest speaker who talked about nanotechnology and nanoparticles, which was pretty cool and really interesting. And not not like we see in science fiction, but more practical uses for them. For example, uh, 
One is in paint making, and, and you can coat certain pigments with uh, these nanoparticles. It makes them a lot more efficient, so you don't have to use as much. Uh, I'm probably giving away some trade secrets <laughs> there. Although I think, they, you know, one thing he never talked about during this conference was a, um, the cost. You know, it's one thing to make something work better and more efficient, like adding some kind of, let's say, foo-foo dust to, to gasoline, some kind of additive, for example. They'll make it burn better in your car, give you better mileage, that kind of stuff. But if the cost is prohibitive, you know, if it makes it like, you know, $10 a gallon for a ga- uh, gasoline, it's it's not really going to catch on very well. So, you know, the, the nano guy, the guy talking about nanotechnology, did not really talk about the costs of some of this tech so, uh, and, you know, a lot of early tech costs just huge amounts of money, and then eventually it, 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 it eventually levels out to a point where people will buy it or it just fails, you know. Cost is always, uh, these days, forefront, uh, you know, one of the top things in your mind when you're working on anything, I think. Uh, why, why am I going into this? I never talk about this stuff on the podcast. I don't know. I guess because when I'm here, sometimes it, it, all I feel like I'm doing is, is working and then, you know, eating and sleeping. Those are the th- Oh, and doing the podcast and, and, you know, watching a few TV shows and movies. But that's about pretty much it. Uh, so it kind of it, it consumes my life just to a degree. So maybe it feels good to kind of share all that. So hopefully you weren't bored. <laughs> all right. Uh, what else? Let's move on. Take a little bit of... Um, I'm going to collect my thoughts, and which, you know, it's a very important thing to do on a early morning. And we're going to come back, back, book, book. I'm going to come back and talk a little bit about Trek news. But first, we're going to play a little promo uh, to uh, a podcast uh, that I think you'd enjoy. So listen to this, and I'll be right back. I'm Jen Geffinger. I'm Kevin Batchelder. And I'm Kurt Geffinger. And we are the Seeker Cast. A podcast for fans of the TV series Legend of the Seeker. We are a community-based podcast that works to keep you up to date on some of the best news, forum discussions, and interviews in the Seeker fandom. We also do a recap and in-depth discussion of each episode. I thought it was very rich, the story. I was afraid it was going to be a little trite, but this really played out to be a very powerful episode in my mind. The whole episode did kind of stay one step ahead. I, I felt like I kept having to catch up and try and figure out what was going on, which I like that. that it's not predictable, so that, that made me very happy the way it was done. And also, you know, correcting the mistake they made on the Sisters of the Light in Season 1. <laughs> <sighs> that was the only thing of Season 1 that I cannot forget. It's okay, though, because we're staying focused on the series, right, Kurt? So tune in to The Seeker Cast at theseekercast.com or subscribe through iTunes. Anyone else want to question my orders? Yeah, you might recognize some of those voices on that uh, podcast promo. Some of them have done uh, the Signal podcast, which is about Firefly and Serenity. And uh, those guys are really great. They do a fantastic job always. And, and of course, Legend of the Seeker it lasted two seasons. It's been canceled. But uh, it's still a cool podcast, and, and I recommend you check it out. So now let's move on to Trek news. A uh, few things to talk about here. I think uh, it, on the movie front, at least, eh, there's little bits of things coming out. Uh, you know, they're still working on the script. J.J. Uh, Abrams is, is saying that they have a really cool story. Uh, I, I hope that's the case. Uh, Chris Pine, uh, who played Kirk, of course, in J.J.'s uh, Trek reboot movie, uh, has been around on the talk shows lately because he has that uh, new train movie. What's it called? Unstoppable, I think, with Denzel Washington. Anyway, but he's been talking a lot about Trek. I, it seems like he has a a fair amount of influence on on, on some of the stuff in in might 
be in the script in the movie to a degree. He he's trying to inject a lot of humor still into it, uh, which I think they did a good mix of that in the first film as well as the you know the the action and the adventure and the drama too. You know, uh, Trek, especially original Trek, always had a a pretty good dose of humor in it, uh, and it. Uh, I think that a balance of all that is important. You know, that's the way people really are anyway, and it's better if they keep it kind of light to you know it, it, when it's appropriate, I, I guess. And uh, you know, they've uh, they seem to be doing a good job. So it's moving along, still being targeted for uh, you know the script being done sometime early next year, and then filming. I'm guessing probably, I would say probably to late late summer to fall is probably when they're going to be filming it. So you know what I I, I think they're going to really be in a time crunch for this movie. I think they they've uh, I don't I don't know I'm I'm a little concerned slightly for a couple of reasons. You know I don't know how much behind the scenes stuff they can do ahead of time, but their post production time on this movie is going to be a lot less than it was in the first one. Uh, they are still targeting a, a June of 2012 uh, uh, release date, so uh, I'm not even sure they're going to be filming this movie. Uh, you know, a year before that, and, and most films, even an average film, takes you know several months. Uh, you know, can even take up to a year of post production work, and w- with a movie that's got a lot of effects in it and things. I, I'm just a little concerned. I, I'm wondering if they may end up having to push that release date. We'll see what happens. They seem to have it locked in pretty well. So I, I don't think it's going to happen. Maybe things will start to really click once 2011 comes along and they'll go, hey, you know what, guys, we have like not much more than a you know a year plus a few months left to get this movie done. We, we, better, we need a script. We need to start filming it, so forth. I'm, I'm guessing some of the, you know, maybe scouting for locations is going on. A lot of the early stages, and it, it's still, there isn't really a whole lot being said. But uh, it looks, uh, you know, I'm sure it's going to be great. I'm sure we're going to have a good time, and I'm looking forward to it, of course, a lot. Uh, what else has been going on in the Trek world? Something related to Trek, uh, the, the Big Bang Theory has been really excellent the last couple of weeks. There have been some really great uh, Star Trek-related moments. Uh, there was a dream sequence with Sheldon where he saw Gorn. Uh, there was a great conversation where, where Sheldon goes in and, and, and is ordering drinks from Penny where she works. And, and, and they started to talk about Kirk, and she knew about the Kobayashi Maru and that Kirk cheated. If you're not watching, if you're a geek and a fan of this stuff, if you don't watch The Big Bang Theory, you, you owe it to yourself to sit down. Uh, and watch. I think I'm even getting Lynn, my wife, to enjoy it a little. I played some of those cl- those recent clips for her via uh, YouTube, and she laughed and she was enjoying it. She didn't really. I, I think I maybe got her to watch one of the early episodes when it first came on, but I think maybe she's warming up to it. So maybe we'll maybe we'll we'll sit down and watch a few over the holidays when I'm back home. Uh, so that show's been good. Oh, they also had Will Wheaton on this past week, uh, who is sort of Sheldon's nemesis. It was a, it was a cool episode because it was kind of centered around Raiders of the Lost Ark a little bit, where they all the guys were going to go out and see uh, a, a new release of Raiders with like twelve seconds of new footage, something they kind of I think made up for this. I, I don't think I've not heard any rumors of a re-release of Raiders to the theaters or you know with any additional little footage put in or anything. But I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility uh, of it happening sometime. It certainly is a, you know, George Lucas does like to re-release movies, that's for sure. He's doing uh, all the Star Wars movies in 3D now, right? Uh, Which they've talked about for years and years, and now 
I guess it's going to happen and, and, you know, it'll be like a, I don't know what it's going to be, a 10 or 12 year lengthy process of, you know, one coming out every couple of years, is it? Something like that. I don't know. I'm just kind of, I'm not going to talk about the 3D thing. No, not going to talk about it. But uh, what else? Uh, in Trek related uh, talk, not too much more. Uh, there's a current comic going on about Khan. If there's issue two of that out, if you're interested. Uh, what else can we say related to that? William Shatner's show, I guess, is still bleat. My dad says is still doing pretty well. I, you know, I catch it now and then. I don't. I'm not a regular watcher of it. It's it's okay. I, I, I the characters don't do a whole lot for me on the show. Uh, I, I saw most of this past week's one, uh, and uh, it's like I said, it's an okay show. I mainly really pop it on because it's on after the Big Bang Theory and just before Fringe, uh, which is on Fox on Thursday nights, at least here in the States, which I love that show. That's an, uh, you know, can't miss show. So it's, um, you know, that, so I basically, I usually do something like get online or, you know, check the website and forum a little bit while, uh, while I sort of semi watch the bleep my dad says a TV show with William Shatner at the time. So it's, it's still okay. It's, it's not great. What else? Uh, going off into other, I guess, TV um, that I'm, I'm currently watching. Smallville is still continuing to be great this season. It's, it's the last season. Uh, I, I think they've done a fantastic job, really, with this series and kind of keep reinventing it all the time. So that's been great. Uh, I'm enjoying that quite a bit. Uh, Caprica got canceled. Uh, Ron Moore's sort of BSG prequel uh, story, although there's a couple of things going on in the BSG world. They're working on a... Uh, a new movie set more towards the time of that Razor, I think it was, a miniseries, around the time of the first Cylon War. So it'll show a very young Adama uh, when he's, you know, in the military and that kind of thing. So that's a possibility for a new series. But the other cool thing, Ron Moore, I guess, has been uh, tapped by CBS to, to reboot and recreate uh, a TV series that's near and dear to my heart, The Wild Wild West, which ran... Uh, in the 60s for, I think, four four seasons, or was it five? Four. I think it was four. Of course, uh, James West, Artemis Gordon, you know, the Secret Service agents uh, with cool gadgets and, and just great stuff. Uh, Robert Conrad and Ross, Ross Martin, uh, you know, a very uh, cool sci-fi-ish sort of tone to it, uh, but just a lot of great stuff. And I think Ron Moore could do a fantastic job with that. I didn't really care for the movie that was out uh, with Will Smith, uh, I thought that they they didn't really have the heart and the essence of the show in the movie, uh, being a big fan of the TV series. But Ron Moore, I guess, is going to do a new one, so we'll see. And there's um, uh, a couple other things going on. Well, Harry Potter's coming out next week. I, I know Kenny on the forum and, and, and several other people are excited about that. I'm, I'm very excited about it, too. I'm going to try... Uh, to actually, I'm going to probably try to hold off and go and wait and to see it over the holiday, uh, the following weekend over the Thanksgiving Day holiday weekend so I can see it back home with Lynn and, and the kids if they want to go too. Uh, so it'll be a week or so. And, you know, it doesn't really bother me that much. For one, I've read the book. I mean, excited to see the movie, but I, I can wait a week to see it at home with my family. Uh, but I have read the book. This is, of course, the first part to the last book, uh, The Deathly Hallows. Uh, it's looking fantastic. That book, I just love that book, I'd have to say. And I think a lot of that had to do with it, it being such a great, I, I thought J.K. Rowling did a uh, fantastic job in, in, in tying it all up. I'm not going to give out any spoilers because I, I know a lot of people um, have not read the book and maybe are just following Harry Potter through the 
through the um, series of movies. So, uh, but you know, just all I'll say it was just an excellent book, and, and I'm really looking forward to the movie and the second part of the this uh, two part finale for the movie uh, series will be out next summer. I think it's you know May June something like that, maybe July. I don't I don't know the exact date. I'm sure you can look it up yourself. Just check Google or IMDb, and, and they'll be happy to help you out. Uh, the uh, they're not doing this first part in 3D. They they are saying I think still that they're going to do the second part in 3D. So we'll see if that ends up happening or not. I don't frankly think it's a big deal or very important. They haven't done the other movies in 3D. You know, I, I is it really going to get them a lot more money or ticket sales? I, I think these movies are going to do very well. So I, I'm not really sure what the point is myself. That's just my opinion. So um, so we'll see. And there's a little bit of footage out there for Green Lantern also. Uh, that movie with Ryan Reynolds. It's going to be out next summer. Uh, we're going to have a lot of great movies to see next summer, that's for sure. And then the summer after that, we'll have uh, Star Trek. So we've got lots to see and lots to watch. Almost too much sometimes <laughs> during the summer. I, I, w- I wish we got more of it, like, you know, in the wintertime and things. Although we do have The Green Hornet with Seth Rogen coming out in January. Although I'm still, I still have mixed feelings about that movie. I'm hoping it's not too much of a comedy. Uh, I, I love the original series when that was on in the 60s, uh, and I, I, I just hope that, uh, well, I hope it's a fun movie anyway, and uh, I'm sure I will see it uh, no matter what. Uh, so that's about it, a roundup of some Trek news and other movie and entertainment stuff, uh, you know, lots of things going on. I, I Oh, I did see Megamind uh, last weekend with Lynn uh, and really enjoyed it, the an- new animated movie. It's got some great voice uh, actors in it, uh, Will Ferrell, Brad Pitt, Tina Fey, uh, Jonah Hill, just just a great cast of, of people doing the voice work, and, and it's a cool story. It's a little bit of a spinoff on the hero-villain thing in a way, uh, and you can probably tell by the previews what it's like, uh, but I, I, I enjoyed it a lot. It was a pretty packed theater house, too, full of people. We went, I think, last last weekend on Saturday, so it had just opened, I guess, the day before, I think. Uh, but it, it, it's a, a lot of fun, and I still want to see, um, and I guess it's getting some mixed reviews, but it doesn't matter to me. I, I still want to see Skyline. Uh, I'm going to go this week, probably one of these early days this week after work to see it. Uh, it, it just looks, from the previews at least, the movie uh, looks like it has some amazing effects. Uh, you know, for me, even if a movie is kind of okay storyline, I, I go to see sometimes just that that spectacle of the big effects on the screen. I was actually not a huge fan of the movie. This is this is being compared to a lot, Independence Day. That movie just kind of, eh, it was okay, but I, I I didn't, I don't know, there was something about it that didn't, didn't work for me, but uh, it's not a bad movie, but it just, it, it wasn't like a big, you know, it was a, such a huge hit that summer it came out. And it just, I, I kept thinking to myself, why? Why? I, I don't get it. <laughs> I'm not sure why. Sometimes that happens with me. Sometimes, you know, there's a lot of times I'll like a movie that's not very well uh, received or doesn't do well. But the opposite effect where uh, a, a big hit isn't really that big of a hit for me, and that happens once in a while. Uh, actually, I, I'll, I'll mention one, and I think I probably said it before, but last year's Avatar, to me, I, I like the movie. I thought it was a, a technologically fantastic, amazing, visually and all that, but it it wasn't, for the story for me, was not that really all that for me. It just kind of, you know, I I've, that kind of storyline was very, I mean, it was like Pocahontas in space. I mean, it, it was just, it was not... Um, 
that original or that different. You know, a movie like Inception, which really takes off and did well, which I, w- I really was happy about, that has a very new and interesting take on things. I, I just thought was was a much better movie and more interesting and so forth. But anyway, that's just, you know, movies, television, books, comics, and everything are all a matter of taste to a degree. There are some things that uh, you, you can look at more objectively about them. But, it, you know, three-quarters, I think, are more of whatever you feel about a movie is is just your own personal you know what you think of the characters the story and so forth so make up your own mind is all is what i always like to say so i'm going to take a short break one more and then we were going to get into talking about uh, a, a big favorite topic of mine collectibles and actually what i'm going to do during this break is i'm going to start off by playing one of we got a few clips to play this week which i was thankful thankful for thanks a lot guys for sending those in i know this isn't the usual subject matter but the first clip up here is brian uh and he kind of sets the stage pretty well for talking about collectibles and what i want to get into to start with so brian take it away and i'll be back in a few minutes after he's done what is up my man rico collectibles Boy, collectibles and I go back to about 2000, maybe 99, 2000. That was when I first came across uh, on the internet, the first forum I ever joined, a site about props. And over at the site about props, I discovered that there was this whole world of people out there who would not only collect, but make props and items from my favorite science fiction movies. One of the things that also happened when I discovered this forum was I rediscovered my love for Star Wars and Star Trek. I had sort of gotten away from it for a while, and it uh, it really brought me back into fandom. And uh, from a site about props, I eventually ended up over at the Replica Prop Forum in 2001, which is where I met Rico. So Rico and I go back a long, long time. Uh, and Rico can attest, the Replica Prop Forum has some of the most incredible artisans and prop builders and model makers anywhere in the world. I mean, it's 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 in one place. You just have such so much talent. Um, and I can remember back in the early days of of being on the forum, all of the amazing discoveries that were being made uh, about things like uh, like Luke's lightsaber and and, uh, and stormtrooper helmet helmets and Darth Vader's helmet, and it's just really amazing, amazing stuff. A little bit of minutia, sure, but it was still pretty fascinating. And uh, I can remember also back then that things that there were no companies like Master Replicas as of yet. So a lot of these items, these collectibles were being handmade, uh, either using found items or reproduced items or the original items that were were used in, in the films. For example, Luke's lightsaber from A New Hope is actually based off of a three cell Graflex uh, flash handle from the 1930s. And... I can remember back then, these things would be on eBay for $500, $700, for really perfect clean ones. And people were buying them uh, and to, to, to collect and to make into lightsaber hilts that they would then keep or sell themselves. And eventually, obviously, uh, some people saw the value of creating, uh, that there was a market for this kind of collecting, this kind of high-end collecting in science fiction. And uh, the original founders of Master Replicas actually came from the Replica Prop Forum and uh, went off and found that company. And really, I think, set the bar very, very high for high-end collectibles. I think there are Star Wars, there are Star Trek items initially with the Phaser, Communicator, Tricorder, and there are Star Wars items with their blasters and their uh, lightsaber hilts really did uh, put high-end collecting in for Star Wars and Star Trek on the map. 
and uh, you know, it's they've just made some incredible, incredible stuff. I did collect for a while their lightsaber hilts. I had a bunch of them. Um, I always, but I always really wanted that graphics, and so eventually, I actually bought myself a, a graphics three cell flash handle for a hundred bucks. It was, it was, it was nicely, nicely worn and beat up, and I actually put together the component pieces to make it into the prop, and that to this day is my favorite collectible I have. I don't have a lot anymore. I actually sold most of my stuff off because I don't. Know, I just didn't. After a while, the, the the stuff just ends up sitting around. But what I did like, what I do, what I still do like to do is buy um, things like uh, that I can make. Things like um, instead of buying a master replicas X-wing, I bought the Power of the Force X-wing and then painted it to make it look nicer and made a stand for it. So I went from being a collector of props to sort of a, a very casual and not particularly skilled maker of some props that when I make them, I just get more out of them, I guess. And, uh, uh, but there is some amazing stuff out there, certainly, and, uh, and I, don't, uh, I don't blame people one bit for buying some of this stuff because uh, if I didn't have a very expensive habit in triathlon and, 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 and doing the Ironman racing and everything, I'd be buying this stuff, too. This stuff's awesome. Um, uh, yeah, but again, I do I do really enjoy making some of the things on my own, and uh, so for me, that's what collecting um, has sort of become. And I have a closet full of all the models that I make and stuff like that. But uh, I really love seeing other people's collections. Uh, Rico has such a great one. A lot of people on the forums at Trex and Sci-Fi have some really nice ones. Like Kenny has collects a lot of figures, and uh, I guess it's Jeff. I think um, has a has a really nice collection. But uh, yeah, and it's just an, an amazing time to be a collector because there's just so much out there. There's so so many things have been discovered about what went into making these things, and you can literally have in your hand a lightsaber or a phaser or a blaster or a model of the Enterprise that is just incredible to look at. So I can I can totally understand where where the emotional connection comes in when you have something like that, and uh, it definitely makes it very very special. So. I hope uh, some other people send in some comments about their collections and what they have. Like I said, at this point, all I got is really my models, uh, my lightsaber, an, uh, an FX lightsaber, which I think every Star Wars fan should have in their collection. I mean, even if you're a casual fan, that is probably the coolest single collectible ever made because it functions, it looks right, it sounds right. It's, uh, it, that was an amazing, amazing piece. And uh, there's great stuff coming out. Um, certainly the licenses for Star Trek and Star Wars seem to be continuing with quantum mechanics and efx and i uh, can't wait to see some of the stuff that they come out with and uh, it's uh, it's cool stuff for sure no two ways about it so uh, looking forward to hearing the show as always my man and you take care bye ah brian you always have a great way of putting things i love your enthusiasm and and just just great to hear from you yeah brian and i have known each other for a while via the uh, replica prop forum which he mentioned uh, that was uh, i was a member on there yeah I guess probably two or three years at least before I started Trex and Sci-Fi. So, and I had seen him posting, and he always had a, I think an avatar of his one of his dogs up as as his avatar. I don't know if he still uses that on the on the prop forum. I haven't I haven't actually been on the replica prop forum a lot lately. It seems like I'm more busy with uh, Trex and Sci-Fi. You know. <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks so much for telling us about some of the you know your background in, in props and collecting brian and i thought what i would do to, to start off with before i get into specifics of talking about companies and some of the products that are out currently and some things the idea here was to talk about maybe some you know maybe some things you can buy as gifts for the geek in your life or buy them for yourselves which i am i'm more than happy to do but 
I was, uh, I kind of have a lot of, you know, Brian, a similar background to him, although I think I got into things like this a lot earlier before he did. Uh, growing up, I, uh, I spent an inordinate amount of time building and creating things. I, I always, this is the time where I always start to feel, you know, uh, kind of uh, nostalgic and, and a fondness for, you know, I would spend all my summers during, um, you know, school time working on models, building uh, Star Trek panels in my basement. I had a, a whole helm council and a science station that I had built out of all kinds of stuff. I could scrounge around the house and I had very little money, so I had to improvise with a lot of this. I used a lot of contact paper, for example, which is sort of like shelf liner with a sticky back. I would I would make these little uh, panels out of plywood a lot of times because it was very easy to work with and cheap. Uh, a lot of saber saw cuts and things, and then I would cover them, like for example, with black contact paper, and and put that all together, and use Christmas lights literally for uh, for some of the backlighting on the displays, and and then so I, I did a lot of that, and you know a lot of this taught me a lot about things like electricity, carpentry, uh, model making, painting, all kinds of that, and and I've always been very much into using my hands and my mind on, on whatever I'd like to do, and I think that's kind of why I ended up in the kind of job that I do also. But so I, I and I spent you know it's it's kind of ironic and a little funny now that I, currently I'm working for Tester, the the paint and model co- company, because growing up I used so much of their glue and paint. Maybe this is kind of payback time. Uh, but I, uh, I mean, I still have a lot of that stuff uh, at home in boxes, and, and well, not so much in boxes. It, I've got a little art table, and, it, and it's mostly out. I got into painting a lot of miniatures too when I played D and D in that. So I, I, you know, I was into this, and uh, I would say my early, early exposure to collecting and props, and that was was more like Brian was saying, you know, building it yourself doing it uh, and, and that. And that was for a couple of things. One, one, I had very little money to to just go out. I didn't have money to go out and buy a lot of stuff. And there wasn't really that much available then, too. That's the other thing. You couldn't just go out and buy a, a very authentic-looking you know, Star Trek phaser like you can now. Even even a toy one, the toy ones that they're making now, and I'll talk about this more soon, are, are fantastic, look very accurate, the size, scale, they function to a degree, sounds light up and all that. And they have low-end ones and high-end ones you can buy now. But you couldn't do that. I mean, I made them myself and lightsabers. I can I can still remember after the first Star Wars movie came out how I how much I loved that movie and saw it so many times. I had to try to figure out a way to build my own lightsaber. And the obvious thing to do to make one would be to get some kind of a flashlight. I found this flashlight that was all silver and, and looked kind of like Luke's lightsaber. And there are these, I'm not a golfer, but there are these sort of translucent plastic tubes that go, I guess, inside golf bags that golf clubs slide into uh, that uh, were about the right length for for the blade of the lightsaber. You know, so I had this long translucent tube, which would sort of conduct and carry the light from the flashlight. The only problem and trick was how to attach the this long tube to the end of the flashlight. I tried all different kinds of ways. Mostly it was involved epoxy glue and stuff, which would work for a little while, and then I'd swing the thing a little bit, and then it would snap off. <laughs> so like Brian said in his, his uh, audio comment, uh, you know, these Force FX lightsabers that they've got out, first Master Replicas was making those, and that license, Master Replicas, unfortunately, is no more. 
but the you can still buy Force FX lightsabers through uh, Hasbro. Hasbro took over that portion of that license, and you can find these even at Toys R Us, I believe. You can certainly order them online, and I'm going to talk about a lot of different online places you can order uh, collectibles at, uh, which, you know, for, for a lot of people, if you don't have a, a good source in your area, online these days is a fantastic way to buy stuff. eBay is a good one, too, but, of course, there's a lot of companies. You can go right to their websites and, and other um, one-stop kind of toy and hobby collecting spots, which I'm going to talk about again soon, but go back to, uh, so my early days, again, building a lot of things. And then I would say once I started working, had regular income and, you know, some extra income, I started to collect, uh, quite a bit. Uh, I, I really started more collecting, uh, action figures. I, I, I was into both Star Trek and Star Wars action figures. I, I was trying to keep up with, <laughs> you know, what Hasbro and I think Kenner at the time and a lot of other companies were putting out. And and that got to be an impossible task. I can't, I, I just couldn't do it anymore. I also was discovering, like Brian, that these things just eventually sort of kind of collect up dust. They get put in boxes, action figures at least, and kind of get stored away. And I still have a ton of that stuff stuffed uh, in my basement uh, back in Michigan or up in the garage there. And what I did probably, especially once I started on the replica prop form, because like Brian said, those guys were, were so great at finding, you know, how things were put together. A lot of these uh, real world items that like McCoy's, uh, you know, medical instruments out of these old salt shakers that they went out and found, you know, the lightsaber stories of what, what some of this stuff George Lucas used because he had, you know, he didn't have a huge budget when he made the first Star Wars movie. So I started to move more towards uh, props, especially uh, some of the more higher-end things. There was a first, before Master Replicas even came around, there was a company called Icons, and that uh, started off with um, Han's uh, blaster from Star Wars and Luke's uh, first uh, lightsaber from A New Hope. And that company, though, quickly kind of went defunct. I even think I had sent them a deposit, a small deposit for Han's light, uh, not lightsaber, not Han, nah, Han doesn't use a lightsaber except in Empire. Uh, but no, his blaster. And the company just kind of dissolved and went away and eventually kind of was, and I don't know all the details of a lot of the, you know, who worked or who went on, but Master Replicas then took over that. And one of the cool things they did, uh, Master Replicas, which was kind of nice, is I, if you could prove to them that you had pre-ordered the Hans uh, Blaster from Icons, you could get a discount on their version because that was one of the first pieces they put out from, uh, and I think they did uh, Luke's uh, Jedi, Return of the Jedi lightsaber was one of their first pieces. So that was a very nice thing for them to do, and I got that uh, first blaster they put out. And Master Replicas... You know, for for years was a place that I had to figure out a way to to buy what they were putting out when it was Star Wars or Star Trek related. I didn't get everything they they released, and even some things out of the Star Wars and Star Trek realm. I I, I didn't get quite everything, but I got a lot of what they put out, and most of it was just amazing. I uh, probably out of their stuff, my most prized item would be the um, the TOS Phaser. You know, the the Phaser Two with the handle and everything that uh, I got a William Shatner autographed one. It's a pretty rare piece, I think, now, and it's just an amazing bit of craftsmanship to get all the functionality, the lights, the sounds, and to make it look as good as they did. It's just it's just a great item, and it's something, you know, 
besides getting people and let's see people pets and, and and stuff out of my house if it was ever burning that would be one of the first items i probably would go for that and the master replicas uh original uh enterprise from tos is is one of the other things although that'd be pretty big to get out of the house pretty quickly but i try i would try really hard <laughs> so those are a couple of my favorite pieces you know i've got a lot of stuff in my collection and uh but the the interesting thing is in the last couple of years with the whole job situation and a lot of other things my my collecting has has dialed down dramatically i have not been buying anything like i used to for it's kind of a mixed mixed thing sometimes some of it's financial and and, and some of it's just I, I think the bug has sort of dwindled for me part of it a little bit was when master replicas went away i, I was very uh I loved Master Replicas. I loved what they put out. I was always happy and satisfied with what they did. Now they have uh, QMX, Quantum Mechanics, and, and EFX, who kind of split things a little bit. But they, they they seem to be kind of jacking up the pricing on a lot of this stuff. And, and it's getting ridiculous. I mean, they I'll give you an example. I think it's QMX is uh, has a um, replica of the Firefly uh, of um, Serenity from Firefly, you know, the ship. And it's like twenty five hundred dollars, you know. It's now, I, I I could see getting up to for one of these, uh, you know, really cool studio scale um, model replicas, maybe into the thousand range. That's kind of about my my limit if it's something that I really liked and really wanted. But twenty five hundred, you know, uh, you know. And I know they're going to be doing. I th I think they're going to be doing a new J.J. Abrams style Enterprise at some point in time, but. I don't know. I just don't think I can really justify or swing that to any anymore. I, I think I'm going to have to build more models like Brian's still doing and uh, and just keep it going that way. I'm going to come back uh, after one short break, and we'll get into more specific details and not so much of this kind of talk. But I'll talk about some of the cur current stuff that's out there on the market, where you can find these things, uh, try to go in a range of pricing, you know, and, and then I'll... Um, you know, we'll just uh, be uh, be talking about collectibles and, and where you can buy this cool stuff. But, uh, but during this break, you're going to hear another comment. This one is from uh, Kenny about collecting and, and all of that he enjoys about it. Hey, Rico, this is Kenny from California. Just thought I'd send in some audio for your collectibles podcast. Uh, I do kind of consider myself somewhat of a collector. Um, I have been collecting uh, everything. Uh, started with the Star Wars action figures back in 1977. So I actually blame my father for starting me on this crazy, crazy adventure. He, as I wanted them, and he got them for me. He got me all of the Star Wars action figures. And that started my love for uh, collecting action figures. And probably not until the age of 13, 14 did I actually start you know, saving them in their packages and start going crazy over package details. You know, they had to be mint, mint, mint. Um, not that I ever intended to sell my collection. I don't know why I had to have mint, but it was just an obsession of mine to have mint condition packages. And uh, from that point on, I mean, I've been collecting now, wow, for tw oh, 33 years. That's a long time. Um, I do have quite a collection. Uh, many of you who know me, uh, you can go to my website, uh, geekyfanboy.com, and check out my toy rooms uh, I've had in the past. Uh, I probably uh, I couldn't even tell you how many action figures and collectibles I have. I basically stick with action figures based on movie and TV. So I have all the Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, Star Trek, um, Harry Potter you know, various TV series that I've enjoyed, like Charmed or um, 
Man, there's so many different action figures. Uh, but yeah, so I have a, a lot of that stuff. And I also collect uh, plates, like the Hamilton Collection plates, mostly Star Trek. Uh, I do display those. I collect uh, mini busts also. That's my new obsession. I've kind of uh, gone away from action figures just for the fact that I have no more space. I actually moved to a new house last year and I plan on building an actual toy room on my property because I just it, I've outgrown just regular bedrooms I need an actual fairly large space for all my collectibles and I plan on building that in the near future so right now all my collectibles are packed away which kind of deters you from collecting more because you don't want to just have to pack them up but uh, hopefully I'll have something in the near future and can share photos with you guys and uh, but anyways like I said I actually switched over um, instead of doing action figures which I still collect um, you know uh, especially with the new Harry Potter coming out I still collect my Harry Potter I will still collect Star Wars if I really like them. Um, Also Star Trek uh, from the new movie and stuff like that. Um, I used to be a completist and uh, I had to have every single variation, every single action figure, every single thing from that series. And luckily I I have somehow grown out of that and I don't need to be a completist. So I can can pick and choose if I like a certain action figure or a certain character. I can just those action figures. But like I said, uh, I've gone away from action figures more and now I'm doing mini busts. Uh, I've been really heavy into that for the past year or so. Uh, a little bit, a little bit more upscale, a little bit more expensive, obviously. And um, you know, I, I really enjoy the statues now and the busts and and the more high end collectibles, stuff that you can, you know, you don't mind displaying. I mean, I never mind displaying anything in my house, but you know, I gotta keep up appearances. Uh, I am an adult. I am now 40 years old, so uh, I don't put all my action figures out. Uh, you know, in the living room, in the dining room, stuff like that. But I can't put busts because uh, this is a geeky household and uh, I like to share my geekiness with everybody. Collecting, I don't know why I do it. I just, it's it's in my blood. It's something that I've grown up with. I mean, I started at seven years old. I'm now 40 and uh, I still do it. I used to go on these, uh, I used to call them routes and I used to hit six or seven targets and then four Toys R Us's and a KB store and a Kmart maybe. There was, you know, this path I would do and it'd be like my Eastern path, which had, you know, three targets and four Toys R Us's or I'd do my Southern path, which would have, you know, six targets and a Toys R Us. Each one would vary north, south, east, and west. I would be gone for six, seven hours driving from store to store looking for action figures. Uh, Obviously, my time has become um, very valuable to me and I I can't do that anymore. And And luckily, you know, with internet and eBay and you can find some really good deals online and you save yourself, you know, in gas prices with shipping prices. So it all balances out the same, but I really enjoy collecting. I'm so glad you're doing a, a collectible show. Uh, I really, like I said, the only thing I'm really collecting right now are the Harry Potter bus and the Harry Potter action figure from the new movie, Deathly Hallows. Uh, I'm really, really resisting the Tron action figures. I've seen them. They're awesome, and I want them all. But uh, un- until I can get my toy room up, uh, I, I'm really trying to resist on buying any other action figures other than the ones I already purchased. So thanks again, Rico, for doing this podcast. Really appreciate it. And I will talk to you guys later. Well, thanks very much, Kenny. Always great to hear from you. And I know you're a big collector. I've seen you do uh, videos of your collection. I've seen a lot of pictures. You're, you are definitely an action figure guy. <laughs> You know, the, the I used to go to the store or do the store runs too, like you uh, were talking about, but I, I was never into, 
I could never go more than about one or two stores. I go I'd go to maybe like a you know one Target, one Toys R Us, and that would be it. I was I don't think I was ever too much of a completist, so I would just go okay, well. I'll check that store, you know, maybe on my way home one day or at lunch or something like that, and that would be about it, and then I would uh, get whatever they happened to have, and if I didn't get everything, uh, that was fine. I never, like I said, would never try to buy most of what's in the line uh, that often, but, uh, oh, you mentioned the Hamilton plates, the Star Trek plates, and I I think they've done Star Wars and that. I have quite a few of those, too. I, I, I kind of forget about some of this stuff because it's all... Those especially are packed away, uh, and uh, they're in a probably in one big box. I think in um, in my basement under the stairway, and they are. Uh, I was, you know, the thing I liked about those is I, I I'm a you know a bit of an artist and I like artwork, and it was in a fairly small package and it wasn't really that expensive. I think they usually mostly cost around thirty or thirty five dollars each, and, you know, and that's the that's one thing about collecting these days that started kind of put me off. It's also sort of affected my. Uh, my comic collecting uh, situation, because that's another thing I, I would collect for, or, and I have collected for a very long time since, you know, college or late high school college when I get into, got into comics and haven't really stopped since. But but, but it's price, you know, com- comics two ninety nine, three ninety nine, four ninety nine for one comic book, uh, action figures constantly going up in price. And, and it's it, it's become a little bit um, bothersome, I guess, to me, and I guess I'd much rather buy a nice little statue at even a couple hundred dollars or a nice prop replica for a couple hundred dollars once maybe every six months to a year rather than spending 10 bucks on a new action figure or, or buying five or six of those or something like that every few weeks or every month or something. So I'd, I guess I'm more into let's buy something a little more high end and, and, and something that would be really cool to have out and display rather than having all these boxes and boxes of action figures. But everybody's a little different. You know, I listen very uh, regularly to um, Star Wars Action News, Arnie and Marjorie over there. Uh, do a great job on Star Wars collecting specifically. And there was a time I was toying with the idea of creating another alternate podcast about uh, other collecting, maybe focus on Trek and a few other properties, because uh, Trek is a little bit, it certainly doesn't have anywhere near the presence of collecting uh, or has ever had like Star Wars. Star Wars is like a collecting machine to, to get all the stuff that comes out uh, that's Star Wars related. And, and I have to put my or take my hat off to Arnie and Marjorie. I don't know how they managed to do it because they they get and know just about everything about that. Collect, uh, you know, uh, just tons and tons of this stuff. You know, a lot of it's action figures these days. But anyway, let us get into more of uh, what I wanted to comment on. Besides all the some of uh, these great collecting stories and personal takes on things and what you guys do, but I want to mention some specific places and things that you could go if you're not into this. Might be, you know, I'm, I'm warning. <laughs> Here's my warning: if you're not into this, you might not want to start because unless you're you're uh, content with spending some money, and, and if you have a husband or a wife or a boyfriend girlfriend, and they're cool with it too, uh, you know, that's one thing I I, I do want to mention that you should always. Uh, you know, Lynn's great, and, and she's always been been fine with with you know do me doing this kind of thing, and always knew that I, you know, hey, we'll pay the bills first, and maybe there's a little left over for other stuff. But you know, it's um, she's very supportive, and and I have my man cave, my basement back in Michigan in the house, and so I have a couple little things in the rest of the house, but but it's mostly contained down there. So, uh, 
but I, I just wanted to put a word of warning. I don't want to create, you know, a lot of collectors that end up having, you know, wives that hate them because they do this or, or even husbands that, that, you know, depending if the wife is into it, who knows, but, or boyfriend, girlfriend. But anyway, there's my, there's my, uh, you know, it's like those, uh, you know, they put, uh, and, and I got to stop saying, you know, Michigan started to put in casinos a few years back. Well, probably 10 years. I don't know how long it's been. But they have, when they do advertisements for these casinos, and I think this is some kind of a law, they have to always throw in, if you have a gambling problem, call this line, you know, as a word of warning. So here's my word of warning for collectors that, you know, if you get into this, once you start down the dark path of collecting, you may not stop. So it's fun. Always, always, you know, keep in mind and keep it, uh, reasonable in my opinion it's um you know everything in moderation uh, is a great rule of thumb in my opinion i think there are some people that get severely over over the top with this and i wouldn't even even consider some of the people on the replica prop forum or kenny or anything like that over the top i mean there are people that that really are extreme let's just say and you know i mean they're yeah so all I can say is it's everything's relative. Some people just, you know, probably would think Kenny or myself or what Brian has is even over the top. But I, I guess it's somewhat relative. But it's, yeah, that's enough about that talk. Let's get into let's get into this. Uh, one of my best and probably places I check for a lot of things. I, I, I buy here semi-regularly from this place. Uh, their pricing isn't necessarily the best, but they have a very great selection, uh, is Entertainment Earth. EntertainmentEarth.com is a fantastic place to buy all kinds of stuff. There's actually, I believe, a link on TrexandSciFi.com. If you use that, if you're going to purchase something, you can you know get a, get a couple of bucks back to me that way. Um, but I'm looking at right now at their site while I'm doing the podcast, and this is their Star Trek page. I thought I would mention a few things. Some of the current offerings, uh, they've got everything from uh, shirts. You can get a T-shirt that looks like the original series Command shirt for $18. $18. You can get a motion Star Trek The Motion Picture Phaser Replica, which is uh, this version of it is an Entertainment Earth exclusive. They end up with a few exclusives on their site, which will be sometimes uh, some kind of a collectible that has been put out, but is some variation of that. Like they have the original series Star Trek Tricorder, but they have it in the geological Tricorder uh, edition, which I think was just seen in that one third episode with Giamato and Lee Merriweather. That which survives? Yeah, that's the episode. So uh, they have a version of that. They also have shirtless Kirk Cologne. You've got to get that. Come on. I got to do that commercial sometime too. Uh, that spoof of the the uh, old spice guy with the Tiberius cologne. We got to work on that uh, soon. They've got a lot of uh, model ship models, some that you can build, vehicle models that you can build, but also ones that you can just buy. There's an all good things USS Enterprise. There, the Hot Wheels is putting out a lot of good stuff. There's of course uh, Trek action figures here on this side. There's a Trek lunchbox. Patterns for clothing, wall murals, water bottles, belt buckles, statues, dresses, play sets, animation cells, uh, vinyl figures, which are pretty cool little things. They've also got the uh, original series Phaser um, by Art Asylum or Diamond Select, I think it is now maybe. Some of these things change hands and it's hard to keep track. This is the gray-handled version for $30. you got to have that. Um, They also have these cool Starfleet insignias. Uh, that are out there. Only $10 each. That's a very cool thing to get, and I still got to get mine. 
I, I, I keep writing it down. Got to order these things. Uh, they are put out. They're actually made by QMX, but you can buy them here on Entertainment Earth as well. The QMX website, if you want to know where those come from, is just uh, QMXonline.com, I believe, is is what it is. I'll put a lot of these links for these places uh, in the podcast notes for this week. But QMX did this series of four uh, metal uh, insignia badges, only $10 each in this nice little packaging, based on the movie badges from the J.J. Abrams film. Uh, so these are very cool, you know, kind of look original series style. And they've got belt buckles and earrings and stickers and glasses. There's just a ton of Trek stuff here on Entertainment Earth. So it's definitely a place to look for. The uh, What I will say is this. A lot of this stuff, unfortunately, especially Star Trek uh, collectibles, are not that you, – you can't find – a good portion. You can't find much of this stuff in the stores. You cannot run down to usually your Walmart or your Target and buy a lot of what I'm seeing on Entertainment's work, Entertainment Earth's website related to Trek. A couple of the things. <clears throat> no, more needs more um, raspberry drink. You can find a, a couple of these things, but not very much. And, and it's kind of a sad. It's kind of sad a little bit. You know, I think. The internet is is both great uh, for a lot of things, and it, and it's a bit of a curse too. Because what's happened is a lot of these things that you can buy like this and shop for collectibles have moved more to an online source. They're, rather than they're not even like distributing them to regular stores like Walmart, Targets, Toys R Uses. It's it's all going basically to the to these direct uh, online sellers instead. There's a lot of them. Entertainment Earth is is just one of those uh, places, but it's a great place for Star Trek stuff. The um, and then related to uh, also Entertainment Earth, and we'll swing over and talk a little bit about Star Wars. They have, of course, just a ton of Star Wars collectibles here, and this is going to be nearly impossible to even cover. I think that probably the biggest categories everyone's seen them are action figures. Uh, they've also got some statues. They have other toys, other vehicles, um, bobbleheads. Um, and, and the cool thing about a lot of this, these things, Star Wars action figures, you can find pretty much uh, in, in many stores, Toys R Us, Target, Walmarts. Uh, uh, lots of different places out there have those. And those are cool because, they, you know, you can definitely get a couple of those for somebody for, for Christmas, you know, or whatever, for the holidays, birthdays, and things. And not spend a lot of money, you know. Even at eight or nine dollars, you know, you can buy a couple of them for less than twenty dollars, which isn't too bad. And it's it's definitely something that's gift worthy. And and the neat thing about Star Wars right now, I think, or one of the, one of the benefits of having so much product out there is, unless you've, you're giving it to somebody like maybe even maybe me or Kenny or like Arnie and Marjorie at Star Wars Action News. Most people will not have pretty much whatever you pick off the shelf. It's just because there's so much of it out there. The likelihood that you'll grab the item that they actually have already bought for themselves, especially in the action figure line, because there are so many different varieties and versions of them out there now, you're, you're pretty safe. You know, always save those receipts when you're doing gifts. But it, it, it's it's nice because you can, you're you've got a pretty safe bet, especially in the, in that area in Star Wars and action figures that uh, the probably the person probably won't have it. And like I said, unless they're a very serious collectible or collectible type person, if they, <laughs> they're not a collectible, are they? <laughs> so it's, it, it's going to be pretty safe there. Um, but the other place Star Wars related that you can check out uh, is Star Wars Shop. 
just go over to uh, I think StarWars.com and then click on the shop link, and they have a ton of merchandise over there too. Of course, there are also books, comics, graphic novels uh, in Star Wars and Trek that are always great. There's uh, you know one of the there's a couple of very cool uh, books that are out right now, Star Wars related. That I think if you're if you're looking for a gift for somebody, I, I'd highly recommend these. One is there's a making of The Empire Strikes Back by uh, Rinsler. Just search on Amazon.com, and I think it's going for about $50 or so. He did a making of uh, Star Wars, the uh, A New Hope movie, a few years, a couple years back, I think, maybe two or so. And now he's put out an Empire Strikes Back version. Like I said, it's about $50. It, it's, it's a fantastic book. I, I've put it on my wish list to tell, or I told Lynn that I... If you're going to get me just something for Christmas, get me that. Um, but it's just the cool thing about it is it really goes into a lot of the making of the movie. There are some great photographs, and, and it's just done very professionally and very well done. And, and for a Star Wars fan, I think they'd love it. Uh, it, it. In a way, it's a collectible. I think I think books to me are collectibles too. And the fans uh, usually like that kind of stuff because the pictures themselves will show a lot of the props and replicas and and costumes and things from the movies. So that's one uh, that I think should be on someone's uh, short list. If you're a Star Wars fan, it's something that you'd love uh, to get. Um, what else? Um, uh, I think maybe we're going to take a break here. I'm going to kind of go into a couple other websites, but I think this might be a good breaking point for uh for what uh, I'm going to cover next. Uh, oh, uh, I guess one other thing I want to cover before we get to the break, uh, and I'm going to play another uh, comment. This one will be coming up from uh, Jedi Jeff, who's also a big collector, uh, would be uh, ornaments, uh, Christmas tree ornaments uh, from Hallmark are always a great thing for a gift for the year, and they come out with regular ones uh, related to Trek and, and Star Wars and Indiana Jones even. I'll mention a couple things that I'm looking at Hallmark.com's uh, online store, their website at Hallmark.com. Uh, one for Trek is they have a light up and sounds. I think it does sounds too. Uh, USS Enterprise from J.J. Abrams' movie. So you can get a, a replica, a little model replica of that Enterprise and hang it from your tree. There's also a, uh, an Amok Time a piece with Kirk and Spock fighting. There is a Tron uh, light cycle, uh, which is uh, appropriately timed from the uh, the way it looks in the new movie coming out, Tron Legacy. There's also a little, um, it's a Star Wars sort of little diorama in a way. It's uh, Darth Vader kneeling before the Emperor. It's called His Master's Bidding. And there's a Rebel Snow Speeder. Uh, so they're, you know, the ornaments, usually these cost... Anywhere, you know, $25, $30, $35 in that range. And I've always found that they're a great thing to get and give uh, for the holidays. It's not too expensive, and they come out pretty much each year. You know, they've been doing Trek ornaments, I know, from the early 90s. They started a program there in Star Wars 1s, 2 each year. So that's another great thing to have and give people. So uh, give to the geek in your life. <laughs> Next, uh, Jeff is going to get some comments in here about collecting, and then I'll be back and we'll talk about some more online sites mainly and other places that you can pick up some cool stuff. Hi, Rico. This is Jeff, Jedi Jeff on the Treks and Sci-Fi forums, and I thought I would send in a comment this week on your podcast about collectibles. 
I think it's a great idea for the podcast, Rico. Really looking forward to hearing it and uh, hearing what you have to say about some of the uh, collectibles that you have your eyes on. Anyways, came up with a list uh, a little bit harder than I, I thought at first. Thought it would be pretty easy, but uh, once um, I got to thinking about it, not so. Anyways, um, like say, I say, I came up with some, some thoughts or things that I've kind of got my eye on. Um, unfortunately, not everything I can kind of own, but... Uh, such as life, uh, you know, I can always just live vicariously through others who actually are able to uh, purchase these products. Anyways, um, the first thing which kind of popped up on my list that um, kind of has recently shown up is um, something from EFX, and that's a studio scale TIE fighter that they kind of announced that they're they're working on. That'd be something I'd really like to own, but um, unfortunately at this time, uh, just a, a bit out of my price range. Um, so all I can really do is just kind of uh, kind of follow the progress and then just follow um, on forums when people get them and see what their reactions are. Uh, really cool ship. Really like one, but uh, like I say, I just really can't swing it right now. Also, I was kind of more kind of interested actually in the TIE Interceptor, which I think uh, EFX is also working on. Uh, I suspect that'll come out at some time at a later date um, after the TIE Fighter. Um, I realize that the TIE Fighter is more iconic uh, Star Wars ship than the TIE Interceptor, but um, I always had a soft spot in my heart for the uh, TIE Interceptor. Uh, the reason why is not so much um, from Return of the Jedi, but more so from the um, X-Wing and TIE Fighter games that kind of came out in the 90s. Always really enjoyed playing those games, and um, one of the ships I always had the most fun with was the TIE Interceptor, either um, in the TIE Fighter game when you actually got to pilot it because it was such a fast uh, ship, but also um, when playing um, like X-Wing or even X-Wing versus TIE Fighter, it's always kind of a difficult ship to uh, you know kind of hit because it was such a fast and, and kind of agile and, and mobile ship in, in those games, so I always kind of really had a soft spot for it so I actually you know even though these these um, studio scale models are really expensive I might um, if they do come out with a tie interceptor I might actually um, get that one like say because it does have a soft spot in my heart and I might you know kind of just work harder and I guess save up some money to uh, put towards it another thing from uh, EFX which is coming out shortly which um I'm actually really tempted in getting and I might actually get it or I might you know get my wife to uh, get it for me for Christmas or something like that is uh, the Count Dooku Precision Cast Lightsaber. Um, I know it's not maybe as uh, nice as the one that Master Replicas had come out a few years ago but um, I've always kind of really liked the uh, the Count Dooku Lightsaber and just the thought that I might actually be able to uh, to get one without kind of breaking the bank is is kind of appealing to me. So, so that's one I, I definitely have my eye on, it. and it doesn't look like it's kind of limited or anything like that, which is fine by me. I just, I just kind of really like the piece. Uh, a couple other things that I'm actually kind of have my eye on too is uh, Diamond Select. Um, I'm not sure when these are coming out. I think um, uh, they're coming out with some uh, ships. I guess I always really like the Diamond Select uh, Enterprise ships. Um, I've got a few of them already, and I'd like to get more. Um, I guess they're re-releasing the Enterprise E, and that's something I've got my eye on. I think it's coming out in um, in early 2011, so probably first quarter 2011. So that's something I'll definitely get on because I didn't get on the original one. And from kind of what I've been following on some different forums, that this one might be kind of a bit more uh, improved over the uh, the previous one. I think better um, kind of better paint on it and just better detailing. Also, another thing that they kind of showed at the uh, Toy Fair. Um, this year I'm not sure when it's coming out but they're also coming out with a Klingon Bird of Prey and kind of really looking forward to that as well 
Some other things that I'm also kind of um, got my eye on uh, hoping to get is um, always really been into these uh, little Kubrick figures which come from Japan. They're little block characters and um, I've been collecting the um, the series for Star Wars for um, quite some time. I don't collect all of them but I usually collect the main ones and uh, I've kind of built up quite a collection but um, I noticed they're coming out with a, a Han and Luke in a stormtrooper disguise. Um, so they're in the, in their stormtrooper uniforms from the uh, the first movie, A New Hope. Looking forward to that one. I think it's coming out in the next uh, month or so. So I'll probably on, be on top of that one. Also, too, I'm kind of going to break away with the Kubricks a little ways from Star Wars. and actually going to get... Um, looking at maybe getting some from uh, the Tron not so much the uh, new movie maybe the new movie after I see it but I noticed that they actually have some uh, original movie Tron uh, Kubrick's coming out um, from from the movie back in the 80s uh, looks really cool they got like uh, the figures come with like the light cycles and the tanks and the recognizers and coming out with like Tron and Sark and Flynn the MCP Yori so really cool it's just they're really interesting figures so I'm kind of excited about those also I'm not sure if I'll get these or not but um also really intrigued with the uh, the Harry Potter Kubricks that they're coming out as well. They're coming out with, you know, kind of the uh, the standard Harry, Ron, and Hermione. And then also they've got Hagrid, Hagrid sorry, uh, Dumbledore, and Snape, and Voldemort. And um, might get those, might not. Still kind of on the fence on that. I might just get maybe Harry, Ron, and Hermione possibly, and, and maybe not the full set. But uh, we'll see couple other things I'm actually looking forward to as well too not much in the collectible side of things but I'm kind of um, they just released the um, the lost encyclopedia like so I was a really big fan of lost so probably gonna definitely get that either if I don't buy it myself I'll, pro I'll probably ask someone to get me that for Christmas then also too I really got my eye on the uh, the back to the future uh, blu-rays which I think just recently got released um, you know I have the, the original movies on on DVD but uh, to get them on blu-ray would be really cool a few other things that I actually have my eye on um, which are kind of way way off in the uh, distance is some things from EFX. I think uh, they kind of showed up at Comic-Con. I actually think uh, Kenny actually took a few pictures of, of it, but something from EFX is that EM-33 pistol from the Enterprise. Um, really interested in that. Um, you know, I'm actually hoping they come out with a phase pistol as well, but I don't really like to have a prop from uh, Enterprise because it was um, a series I really enjoyed. And also this um, original series Battlestar Galactica Viper Helmet, which seems to have been kind of uh, keeps popping up at all these shows, but uh, still really no details on it. I'm, I'm hoping we'll hear more about it in 2011, but that's something I'm long term I got my eye on. And I'll, you know, like I definitely for that Viper Helmet, I'm going to make the effort to get that one uh, regardless of kind of what situation I might be uh, probably actually putting going to put start putting money aside for that one so that when it does come out I'll, I'll be able to uh, jump on it anyways uh, Rico um, again thanks for uh, the great idea on on this uh, show I'm sorry for running this comment a little bit long but uh, this is uh, kind of a topic that I, I have a lot of interest in and I'm interested here what you have to say about it, and I'm interested here what the uh, other uh, commenters have on it as well so uh, thanks Rico and uh, back to your show well, thanks, Jeff. Uh, always great to hear from you. I always like to hear about what you're uh, collecting, what you're interested in, got your eye on. It, you know, there's there's a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, you, you know, one of the frustrating things, though, it's like you said, is you, they'll have Comic-Con and the, these New York uh, uh, Comic-Con and Toy Fair shows and all this stuff, and these guys like QMX and EFX 
they will if you go to those websites are efxcollectibles.com all one word and for qmx it's qmxonline.com i i think is the actual website again i'll link all this in the podcast notes this week but those two guys efx uh, both of them seem to you know they prototype and they talk about this stuff and i know people with uh being able with the internet being able to pick up and get news you know so quickly and everyone's anxious to learn more that they talk about this stuff way way before we're going to see an actual one you know one of the examples is the the guys um over at qmx uh, have talked about doing a studio scale uh, enterprise from jj abrams film uh they did a prototype i believe and nothing more has really been said about this that i know of uh and it's i think the prototype was first seen gosh it was way back when the the movie came out i think so uh, it, it's you know when this is going to come out what the pricing is on it you know all kinds of things uh it's like uh, we'll see we'll see what happens the um the situation you know it's it's that would be probably one new big piece that i would like to get uh efx i know one of their they've been running into some problems with uh things like they had uh in development some star wars pieces for example i think that uh the return of the jedi luke uh lightsaber that was going to open up and reveal and you know the the sort of inner guts of the lightsaber and they were going to do an uh, what they called an obi-wan extreme lightsaber uh, also showing the internal workings, you know, kind of with a little crystal in there and some cool effects. And both of those, as far as I know, have been put on like either, you know, canceled or indefinite hold. I think that's the case with both those pieces. So, you know, it gets a little bit tricky. One one thing that I still have my eye on that I can kick myself, you know, here, how do, how do you actually do that? Kick yourself. That's kind of hard to do. You know, you have to kind of flip your leg backwards and stuff. Could somebody come over here to Rockford and do that? But my biggest regret of a piece that I didn't get at the time that I would still love to uh, somehow get a hold of at one point in time. Maybe somebody listening to the podcast has got one they want to sell. I'll, I'll make them a good deal or a good offer. <laughs> but is the Master Replicas Millennium Falcon uh, studio scale model that was just really well done, a fantastic piece. Yeah, expensive, but but these some of these studio scale models are getting even more expensive now. I think um somebody is at EFX is working on a new one, uh but a but a much smaller uh Millennium Falcon, not a studio scale model, not like a 30 32 incher, but but something along, you know, maybe not even a foot long, you know, just a nice little model, kind of like that Code 3 group did uh from a few years back. So but that studio scale, a Millennium Falcon from Master Replicas, it, it, basically what it was that, that, that happened, the reason I probably don't have that is the studio scale Enterprise from the original series and the studio scale Millennium Falcon were pretty much built and released close together. You know, both of those were very expensive, and I, and I kind of said to myself at the time, okay, you get one now, get one in the future or whatever. And and I, I said if I had to pick one that I really, really wanted more than the other, it was the Enterprise, the you know, the original series Enterprise. And I'm still happy with that. I love that piece. And again, if I had to pick between the two of those, which is kind of what I had to do at the time, that's that's probably what happened there. But uh, okay, enough about that a little bit. Uh, let's talk about a few other companies. Another company that I have really enjoyed over the years does some great stuff, especially in the line of of, of figure busts 
and uh, statues is Sideshow Collectibles, which you can find at SideshowToy.com. I don't know if Sideshow Collectibles gets you there, too. I don't think it does. But anyway, SideshowToy.com, which is the site for Sideshow Collectibles, does just great work. Just I can't say enough about how much I love this company with kind of statues. I, I started to get into probably there, there's a great forum called the Statue Forum. Just I think it's statueforum.com. They kind of got me into this a little bit, uh, and I'm a big comic book fan, and they have a lot of both Marvel and DC pieces on this site. The statues run anywhere from, a, like, you can get a little mini bust for maybe $40, $50, up through a full-size statue, you know, that'll run you maybe around 150 on up or so is, is the pricing scheme. But they have all kinds of stuff, and they also have a very large Star Wars section of pieces, too. These premium scale uh, figures that are usually, you know, anywhere 18 inches tall, give or take. Uh, they've done a great uh, set of uh, uh, very uh, authentic looking and clothed. Uh, I don't know if you call them really action figures. They're kind of like dolls. People will call them that. But they're about 12 inches tall. They, they come in a very nice package. I, I collected quite a few when they first started putting them out. But again, it got to be... Too, too, just too many of them were coming out, and I couldn't keep up. And they're not cheap. These were they started in the like fifty, sixty dollar range. Sideshow was putting these out, and they were coming out maybe every couple of months, two, three months, which wasn't too bad. But then they started to inch their way closer and closer to like a hundred dollars for one, you know, very nice twelve inch doll, basically. And I, I, I just kind of said nope. Nope, I'm done. <laughs> I still would like to get the Darth Vader. I never got their Vader that they put out, uh, and I think that is Stormtrooper that I would like to have gotten. But I, I got some of their earlier ones. But they uh, Sideshow does a great uh, job at this. I, I like their statues, I think, a little bit more than their figures. That's just me personally. Uh, but this is a place if you you know if you were looking for something for the collector in your life for the holidays, you can find all kinds of things here. You know, pricing ranges. They have little environments. They also have a fairly nice Lord of the Rings section, uh, Disney area, Alien Predator, some monster and horror stuff, some GI Joe, uh, just just a wide range of stuff. I really like some of their Marvel items. I've I've picked up a few of them. I, I like their comic cats. They call them. They're they're a little less expensive. They they, they have uh, some nice ones of like the White Queen, Mary Jane from Spider Man. Uh, they have Rogue from the X Men, the Black Cat from Spider Man. Uh, just a great line of things. Uh, it, it's just sideshow. I can't say enough about them. They're, they're a fantastic company, and, and they've been around for a while. And and they they really back their products. They package things well. Shipping is great. I again, they're probably I'd say one of my favorites. Entertainment Earth is good too. I think Entertainment Earth kind of nails you a lot on shipping, in my opinion. I think they charge a bit much. Entertainment Earth for those out in California, though, they actually have a, a store that you can actually go to. It, it's not, I don't think, quite a retail type store, but it's like the, where their warehouse is, and you can go in and buy things there if you're in the area. So, uh, you know, that's something that I've, uh, I know people out, I think they're more in the northern part of California, Kenny might know, but uh, I'm not really sure uh, exactly, but uh, they're based in California. So shipping things over to the Midwest, I guess, maybe costs a little bit, especially since collectibles are kind of, it can be kind of heavy sometimes. So I'm going to uh, probably not really take a break here. I'm just going to pause it for a second and talk about a couple of the other places I wanted to cover just before we finish things up today. 
All right, uh, I've got a few more things I wanted to pass on to you. Uh, oh, another great place, I didn't mention this when I was kind of covering Star Trek uh, primarily, but is, is Roddenberry. Just go over to Roddenberry.com, and there's a shop there that's run by Rod Roddenberry, uh, Gene Roddenberry's son. And they've been uh, a good source for Star Trek collectibles for a long time. Uh, Majel uh, Roddenberry actually created uh, something in the early, early days of Trek collecting called Lincoln Enterprises. And I ordered little film clips and, and all kinds of little badges and, and little buttons and things when, when it wasn't uh, too expensive and you had to do, uh, order things by mail. Do people out there listening to this podcast remember things like that where you'd write out a check uh, or even get a money order and with your order and stick it in an envelope and mail it off and maybe in you know four to six weeks or a couple months later this thing would show up at your house, hopefully. <laughs> well, Lincoln Enterprise was pretty reliable, but... Uh, other places, maybe not so much. You would see these ads in the back of magazines. Boy, that takes me back. Now everything's just a click away, which is great. Um, but anyway, back to Roddenberry.com, uh, Rod Roddenberry's store. They have some great stuff. A, a couple of things, though. They've, um, they have full-built built, uh, toys, prop replicas, that kind of stuff That uh, from Star Trek. Lots of very nice things. They even have a phaser rifle uh, from the second Star Trek pilot, uh, Where No Man Has Gone Before. What did I say? Pilot? How did I say that? But it's $1,000, folks. It's $1,000. It's a great piece. I think you can still buy a kit. Uh, I'm pretty sure. A lot of their stuff, you can buy it, it um, in full uh, built form, or you can buy the kit of it. Now, I'm going to click here. Bear with me a little bit for a second or two. Uh, yeah, you can buy kits, for example. Ex- example? What am I talking about? And the kits are really not that bad. Uh, I mean, you have to be a little bit handy with your hands and some glue and paint and that kind of stuff and, and, and sanding and a little, uh, you know, they take a little work. They're not, they're not, I would say, nearly like a, a model kit. But if you're pretty good with putting together models, you'd be able to probably do one of these and if you have some basic tools. But you can buy kits like the original series communicator kit, which is a very nice piece, you know, a metal brass screen. Nice plastic shells, very authentic uh, for $150, a little expensive maybe to some people, but cheaper than the uh, where it's built by them. You know, fully built is is a lot more expensive. It'll it'll usually double that price or so. Yeah, I'm, I'm like actually looking at it right now, and I think this one probably has sounds and lights up, but their fully built communicator is $599, $599. So let me go back to the kits, though, and tell you a little bit more. I was going to try to find that phaser rifle, too, to be a comparison. But you can buy a phaser one kit, which is, um, you know, only $100. Oh, here we go. The phaser rifle prop kit. And this, of course, you have to buy an electronics kit to make it have uh, do lights and sounds. But the kit is only $399, $399. And they have tricorder kits. Yeah, I definitely suggest. I bought their way back before Master Replicas eventually came out with an original series tricorder uh, prop replica. I bought the, one of the kits I bought off Roddenberry was the original series tricorder. And I built that over during a summer one time and it's it's a very nice piece and and it took a little trick uh, you know putting it all together and i added some effects and some electronics to it of my own and everything and uh it, it's a it's a nice piece and I, I like it a lot now you can buy of course you can buy those ones put out by uh diamond and art asylum the tricorders and, and phasers uh, for 30 40 dollars you've got a you know, one of the great things about collecting right now is there's a pretty wide range of, of stuff out there, much more than when I was growing up and, and other people that have, have talked to you, I think, 
it, you know, it's it's great because you can buy everything from you know thousands of dollars. You know, Sideshow, for example, has a full-scale Terminator uh, from the movies for like six thousand dollars. You know, it's it's six feet, six inches tall, and all that. Very cool. You know, if I was a millionaire, I'd buy one. But you know what? I'd really love. You know, one of my dream pieces would be have a uh, a Robbie the Robot, a full size one. And there's a company out there, Fred Barton, I think it is, who who makes those uh, kind of uh, built to order. And I think they're like twenty five thousand or fifty thousand dollars each, something like that. Again, if I you know win the lottery someday well even if i won the lottery i don't know if i'd be able to do that i'd probably have to be you know i don't know strike oil in my backyard or something but um but there's what i'm trying to say is there's just you know you can spend a few dollars one of the things you know for gift giving go to your local you know toys r us targets you can find things there go to also your local comic uh stores if you have a comic book store a lot of times they have collectibles t-shirts Little things you can get people uh, there, you know, with that aren't that expensive. And if you know the kind of comics they like, you know, one thing to pick up these days might be uh, that collection of uh, Walking Dead, the Walking Dead comics, based on that uh, zombie uh, new TV series, which is really cool so far. And uh, you can get a, you know, collected editions of earlier. You know, one of the cool things about comics is they they do collect them in these you know, graphic novel kind of form into a collection of so many issues in, in a set. And uh, it's a way to save uh, money and buy the comics uh, later on rather than paying, you know, 3 or $4 per comic. So, you know, comic shops are a great source in your local area. Another place would be a hobby store. Model and hobby stores can sometimes have collectibles, miniatures, and things like that if you're into that. Uh, just Just a ton of stuff. It's, you know, I could do... If I if I really had all the time in the world, I could probably easily create just another, like I was saying earlier, a, a collectible podcast and have plenty to talk about every week with new things in the stores, new stuff online that you can buy. I didn't mention uh, a lot of other sites. There's a bunch of sites you can buy things. Uh, John's Toys uh, is, is a good site. Uh, uh, yeah, I I'll have to try to just put a bunch of links in the web in the the podcast on the web in the in the notes. There's new Force comics and collectibles, uh, just uh, tons of places. I I've only scratched the you know a little bit of the surface, but I wanted to give people a taste of things, uh, play some comments from you guys, and, and talk a little bit about you know one of the things that I've always loved or has have enjoyed, you know, as as being a kind of a geeky nerd and enjoying this kind of stuff. It all comes down to me for sort of having something that you can look over at and sort of remind you of the experience of that TV show or that movie or that book uh, and, and kind of get a little pleasure out of that. And, and, and again, to me, it's kind of like there are people that collect art, for example, you know, collect paintings or sculpture. And, and this is what I look at this as. This is kind of all an art form. And it's my way of collecting something. I, I'm not into certain, you know, maybe, you know, I, I, I'd rather have a nice, you know, artistic version of like the crew of the Enterprise on my wall maybe than, than something from the Louvre in, in Paris. Although that would probably buy me a lot of collectibles if I had, you know, some Da Vinci or, or something by, you know, Renoir or something like that <laughs> hanging on my wall. I probably wouldn't uh, have a problem buying a lot of this stuff. So, uh, but, it, you know, again, keep it, keep it under control for the people that, that, you know, get a little overboard on this stuff. It, it's, it is very tempting. eBay is another great source. You know, I didn't talk too much about them. You know, buyer beware, you know, be very careful on eBay. Uh, have a secure PayPal account. And also always make sure you 
always check uh, the the comments that people have left for for a buyer or for people selling. If you're buying something from someone on eBay, you know, make sure they have a very reputable comment list there. They don't have a lot of you know question marks, and it's not like a new user with only a few transactions. Uh, I, I've been on eBay forever. I don't use them anywhere. And, you know, I, I did way back, probably in the 90s, use eBay a lot more than I do these days. Now I'm lucky if I buy one or two things off there each year. But they can be a good source for certain things. You know, one one thing that they're kind of a good source for is uh, there are a lot of older TV series, for example, that are not out on DVD. They have not been released. But eBay, and there are a few other, if you do Google search, there are a few other sites that you can find people who have converted like old VHS tapes to DVD and made their own kind of seasons of, you know, old TV shows. I know I had uh, Tales of the Gold Monkey from the 80s on one of those kinds of sets, and now it finally did come out on on real DVD, you know, professional grade and all, which I still have to, that'll be on my, should be on my Christmas list too for something. DVDs and Blu-rays are great gifts as well and don't cost too much, and that's uh, kind of a collectible too. So I got to stop because this will just get terribly long. Uh, I did want to talk about the uh, upcoming podcast schedule, which I'm going to have to pause so I can click over to that. All right, here we go. Here's what's coming up on Treks in Sci-Fi. Next weekend, I will be covering the Deep Space Nine episode, Change of Heart, which I think is from season six, I think. That is an episode that focuses on Jadzia and Jadzia and, um, Dex and Worf out on a mission. And she's injured and stuff happens, you know. Uh, anyway, that's next week on the podcast. Uh, two weeks will be the Thanksgiving Day weekend. My plan right now is to record, record whoop, uh, time to stop recording because I'm losing my voice. I'm going to record another sort of road show, kind of an impromptu, uh, talking into my little Sony mini recorder as I drive back in all the crazy Thanksgiving Day weekend traffic. So that'll be that Thanksgiving Day weekend's podcast. Um, after that will be an Enterprise episode that I'll be covering, Carpenter Street. Uh, and then on December 12th is where the schedule ends at this point. I'm going to be talking about vampires. I actually found out recently that my birthday, I share my birthday with Bram Stoker, who wrote the original Dracula. So maybe there's something there about why I enjoy vampires. But my my goal with that podcast is kind of talk about vampires and entertainment, to the TV series and movies they've done, uh, and, and try to get people a little bit like, you know, just because of these whole Twilight movies, you know, Get them kind of interested in this stuff, maybe, if they've been put off by all the vampire stuff and talk. But I think there's definitely some good things that have been done. Uh, maybe some things that aren't as good, but uh, that should be a fun podcast. It'll also be a, a podcast that I, I know is going to be a bigger subject and more to cover than uh, <laughs> an hour and a half or so can do. So i got to get out of here. Uh, again, I, I just scratched the surface. I hope that uh, this got you maybe interested in collecting a little if you're not. Uh, although, uh, again... Warning, warning, uh, Will Robinson, uh, be careful <laughs> out there and don't don't overdo it. So, uh, But there's a lot of great things, and, and I think everybody needs a little lightsaber in their collection if you're a geek or, or, like Brian said, I think, or a phaser if you're a Trek fan. You know, have a couple of those things is fun, and, and it keeps you young, in my opinion. And as years go on, it's always good to still feel young. So, everyone, take care. Thanks so much for listening and downloading this week's edition of Treks and Sci-Fi. Hey, run over right now and put an, a review up on iTunes and say what a fantastic job Rico does every week. That would be great. I would, I would love that. So everyone, take care. I'll talk to you again next time. Bye-bye.
Oh, one last thing. I am going to take us out here with another uh, uh, a song, a Rick Moyer song, one of my favorites, especially at this time of year as we get, you know, getting closer to the holidays. This is a song, I think Rick did this about a year ago. It's called, uh, I think it's called My Geekiest Things, or the, my, yeah, My Geekiest Things. Anyway, it's a, it's, a, it's a great song, and I think it's appropriate for today's podcast. So that will be ending uh, this week's edition of the show. So thanks, Rick, for the song, and I'll talk to everyone again soon. Bye. Hey, everybody. Merry Christmas. Star Trek on cable and movies in IMAX. iPhones with apps that don't require payback. Static-free packages complete with bling. These are a few of my geekiest things. Cream-colored towers with drives that play Blu-ray. Cell phones with touchscreens and Xbox that we play. Sci-fi is playing a monster that stings. These are a few of my geekiest things. Big screens that play at a high resolution. Cars that use electric to save on pollution. My cue on Netflix, just what does it bring? These are a few of my geekiest things. I've got terabytes when the iPod sings. When I'm feeling sad, I simply remember my geekiest things. And then I don't feel so bad. We're all just waiting for the new movie. Kirk and the crew are young, hey, they are groovy. Enterprise being built in dry dock things. These are a few of my geekiest things. Doing the Vulcan salute to my family. A life-size John Luke cardboard cut outstanding. Watching the reruns, yes, I have them free. These are a few of my geekiest things. Logging on to the Treks in Sci-Fi Forum. Chatting with geeky friends, what a decorum. Writing a character in RPG. These are a few of my geekiest things. When it's Sunday, Rico's fun day. When I'm feeling sad, I simply download my favorite cast. And then I don't feel so bad. Merry Christmas, Treks and Sci-Fi. You've been listening to the weekly podcast, Treks in Sci-Fi, with Rico Dosti. For more information, visit treksinsci-fi.com. Join the forums at treksinsci-fi.com slash forum. Dr. Beverly Crusher, I would appreciate an explanation. Yes, you should. Do you have a comment, a suggestion, or a question? Email Rico today at treksf at gmail.com. That's treksf at gmail.com. How much do you think that tells me about your character? Treks in Sci-Fi, the weekly podcast with geeky goodness and entertainment news. Copyright 2010. All rights reserved. I can assure you that I'm not given to casual relationships. Yes, you should. 
Goodbye.